Welcome to the Opium Den. I'm Daniel Williams. Well, it is a, it's another dark and stormy night down here in southwest Florida. We've had some pretty serious rains this evening. Filled the pool up and made Bahama nervous. Faithful listeners will know who Bahama is. Bahama is our chocolate lab, 11-year-old chocolate lab sweetie girl who doesn't like the storms. Change in barometric pressure coupled with the lightning and the thunderbolts and the sound they all make. She needs her doggy downer, so she's not with me in the studio tonight. She's out in out in the other room with my wife and my wife's niece, Ryan. Ryan is down visiting for a few days. He'll be a senior in high school next year. So we're glad to have Ryan with us today and this evening. Also, I might add, last week was my brother's 62nd birthday. And he's been down with us for a while, chilling out in the warm south. And he heads back up home tomorrow. He'll be leaving early in the morning and he has a Long drive to Fairborn, Ohio, where I grew up, as well as my brother and sister. So we wish my brother safe travels. It's been very good having him down here, but he's anxious to get home. He's lived there all of his life, and all of his friends there. It's his comfort zone, and hope you'll join me in wishing my brother safe travels as he... Heads out tomorrow morning at 6 a.m. That's the scheduled departure time. As he heads out at 6 a.m. on to 75 North, all the way up to Fairborn, Ohio. So I want to thank everybody for tuning in tonight. I'm glad for anyone to give me their time on Thursday night, especially as this is a long weekend coming up, Fourth of July weekend. I don't know if... Any of you have seen some of the talking heads and on the uh, on the cable news shows, but uh, always a staple at this time of the year. We have the uh, some department of of safety or idiocy, whatever their designation is, but they come out and blow a bunch of mannequins with uh, M80s and firecrackers and all sorts of incendiary devices as a cautionary tale to all of us this weekend that we'll be handling uh, legal ex- legal explosives, let's put it that way. So I hope that uh, whatever area of the country you're living in, that, and especially if you enjoy a good fireworks display, and I think we all do, I'm hoping that your local community is not too strapped for cash and have canceled their 4th of July fireworks display. So I hope that that hasn't that isn't going to happen to you, and that you have a beautiful, uh, beautiful explosion of of fireworks over the weekend. It's always a little dicey down here for us in beautiful Southwest Florida. Uh, rain can uh, play havoc with uh, with our fireworks night. So let's hope that we do have some clear skies that night. We've certainly got enough rain lately to minimize the uh, risk of any fires starting from errant fires.
fireworks landing in the wrong place. So I, I always like fireworks, get a good buzz, uh, and get a good seat, and uh, usually go down to the beach with some friends and uh, watch the fireworks from the pier. So that's, that's always an enjoyment, and uh, looking forward to that. So far, it looks like we have the, uh, the budget funds to have a fireworks display this year. So it all depends upon um, on the weather. So again, I want to thank everybody for uh, stopping by tonight. We want to hear from all of our uh, faithful listeners out there. You can call us at 727-493-2205 anytime during the broadcast. We'd be glad to put you on the air and hear what you have to say. Again, that is 727-493-2205. The phone number is right there on the top of the homepage under how to listen live and you can call us uh, you can call me on my skype handle my skype id is the new libertarian the new libertarian that's my skype id and you can also send us an, uh, an email that uh, comes directly into the little cozy studio we have here you can send the email to daniel at the opiumden.net again daniel at theopiumden.net. But we much prefer to hear uh, hear your sweet live voices. So give us a call at 727-493-2205 anytime during the broadcast that you have a comment or a question or just want to hear how you sound on the internet radio. Well, it's been quite a week uh, since we last got together inside the Opium Den. It seems that our celebrities are thinning out here. We've had uh, a number of passings recently, none that has caused more stir than the passing of Michael Jackson. So uh, that's been just about everything on the airways going on lately. And uh, it's a shame, not that he's passed away, of course, that, that, uh, that is a shame but we'll qualify that in a few minutes. But I think the most overlooked uh, celebrity passing was that of Ed McMahon. A lot of younger people know Ed McMahon for his work he did in the twilight of his career, and maybe I've only seen some of the highlights of his long tenure with Johnny Carson. Johnny Carson set the standard for late night, and... uh, Although some of our late night hosts come close, I don't think anyone has equaled the the sheer entertainment and wit of Johnny Carson. But Ed McMahon was a big part of that. And not only was Ed McMahon a member of the show business celebrity circle for many decades, one thing that was uh, that most people don't know is that Ed McMahon was a decorated marine pilot. So he was a patriot and a veteran, as well as one of the, by all accounts that I've read, one of the nicest people in show business. He ran into some bad luck there towards the end, culminating with his death. But his uh, his financial troubles uh, uh, plagued him and, and gave him pause during the 
last part of his life, but he worked most of them out, and now he is no longer with us, and those problems are no longer his. And, of course, we had the passing, uh, the recent passing of Farrah Fawcett. Uh, many of you do remember Farrah Fawcett. I think a lot of you had her poster on on your bedroom wall or ceiling, and uh, as a as an adolescent young young man, speaking to the guys here, uh, as well as a uh, a box of Kleenex and some of your mother's lotion by the bed. But anyway, um, what do you think about uh, Michael Jackson? Do you think he's getting uh, too much? too much media attention or uh, not enough attention for some of the uh, nastier, darker sides of his personality and all this crap going on with his mother. Is she the mother? Is she a surrogate mother? Was it her egg? Was it an implant? It seems fairly certain that uh, whatever fertilized that egg did not come from the loins of one young, well, not young, but back then maybe, the loins of Michael Jackson. I don't want to spend too much time uh, tonight, although, you know, we do have a, a, a drug perspective here, and obviously that has, that is playing heavily into the uh, demise of Michael Jackson. I watched on the news a few days ago where they took out two very large pink trash bags full of all of his prescription drugs, and the rumors are obviously swirling. Did he do this? Intentionally, we're not killing himself intentionally, but did he tend to use uh, medication to allow him to uh, beg away from this very strenuous 50 concert, 30 concert, whatever deal he had set up uh, kicking off over in London? There are, you know, massive speculations going on, but he is dead, and that, you know, there's no speculation there. I have not really mixed emotions. I'm, I watched Michael Jackson grow up, uh, Jackson five and all of their music. And I think it's without, it goes without saying, but I'm going to say it anyway, that Michael Jackson was a very talented entertainer, but I think, uh, his, his personal demons and the issues that, uh, came up later in his career, all of the uh, sexual molestation and pedophile uh, charges, rumors, and ultimate uh, exoneration, but I don't, uh, I don't believe justice was completely served. But Michael Jackson spent tens of millions of dollars silencing his victims and spent millions more with lawyers who were complicit in his crime. I know everybody deserves... Uh, to be treated innocent until proven guilty, and in this case, Michael Jackson was not proven guilty, but uh, his actions in paying tens of millions of dollars to his victims and just his his weirdness, his Jesus juice, and all of the things that seem to provide empirical evidence that Michael Jackson was not uh, engaged in proper behavior with with young boys. But anyway, it'll be interesting, at least from my perspective, the uh, the whole drug connection with Michael. Did he take a powerful sleeping uh, intravenous sleeping drug uh, the day that he the day that he passed on? But we'll wait for the toxicology report to come out to see just what kind of pharmaceutical cornucopia was 
swirling around the, the veins of the king of pop. So give us a call, 727-493-2205. Let us know what you think about Michael Jackson. Am I being too hard on the young uh, well, not the young man. That's the thing. He's, he's, he, I'm not being too hard on the man. Let's put it that way. Tell me what you think. It would seem to me that he, that all of the uh, the uh, spokespeople aside, I don't believe he was a very happy individual. Uh, his his skin bleaching was always uh, said to be uh, because of a of a pigment pigment problem that he had and that that affliction does exist but I just think that Michael Jackson was not comfortable being a a black man and then I believe he was uh, not comfortable with the way he looked he is his multiple multiple plastic surgeries um, just made him kind of freaky looking uh, and you've seen many of you might have seen uh, the Dark Knight, where Heath Ledger gave a great performance as uh, as the Joker. I'm not saying that Michael Jackson had that uh, same demented type of expression on his face, but he was equally as as bizarre looking. The nose looked like it was fashioned out of paper mache and put on his face by Elmer's glue, but. Again, to each his own. I have no problem with plastic surgery and things of that nature, but it seemed that Michael Jackson was a very lonely, lonely man, uncomfortable in his own skin and uncomfortable with his with his looks. And about the only time he was comfortable was around family and uh, and young boys. But anyway, that's uh, I don't want to get too far into the Michael Jackson. Saga here. I just think it's a shame that we didn't give uh, nearly the 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 mainstream media attention to Ed McMahon that he deserved, and Farrah Fawcett, and all of those others who will live on in merchandising deals. So there's not. It's not. It's been kind of a slow week in drugs. Um, or maybe I haven't been paying as close of attention, but I, I, I believe so. But the the big thing going on uh, now is the acetaminophen scare. The nanny state is going to make sure that you can no longer take 500 milligrams of acetaminophen at, uh, in one pill. And uh, they want to reduce the, the total... Uh, Microgram dose that uh, can be sold, or probably go somewhere down to 325. But it's it's crazy. People have known for years that acetaminophen, uh, large large doses of acetaminophen over long periods of time, uh, give you uh, you know damage your your uh, kidneys. And that's been that's been known uh, for some time, but now. As President Obama extends his reach into all facets of our personal life, now we're going to have some acetaminophen, uh, acetaminophen issues. I swear to God, I, would, I wouldn't be surprised if acetaminophen ended up being 
maybe not a prescription drug, but one of those behind-the-counter type drugs that you can't just walk up and walk up to and buy off the end cap kiosk and go through the line. But it is interesting that the number of people who die from uh, acetaminophen poisoning or abuse or however, whatever terminology you want to use, but more people buy, die from that than die from heroin. So, you know, all drugs have a, uh, have a danger and all drugs uh, have a benefit. So we're going to see some. It'll be interesting to watch how this uh, moves along on acetaminophen. The one that has me most concerned, I'll be very candid with you, I'm not a big fan of acetaminophen anyway. I mean, if I have, if I have a little bit of pain, I want a big boy painkiller to take it away. So what's got me concerned is that uh, they're going to just not just rest, their, rest on their laurels with acetaminophen. They are talking about, but now get this, they are talking about banning Vicodins and Percocets, Vicodins being hydrocodone and Percocets being oxycodone, the same drug, the same drug as you'll find in Oxycontin. The only difference between an Oxycontin and a Percocet is that an Oxycontin is a higher milligram dose, usually in a time-released format. So the Percocet and the Oxycontin are the same base drug, it's just that there is more... More, it, there are more milligrams in a oxycotton because of its timely time released uh, capabilities than there are in the Percocet. My personal uh, my personal preference is is Vicodins over Percocets. It's interesting the drugs are almost uh, completely identical: hydrocodone and oxycodone. I mean, they're both derived from thebane, uh, uh, and they're both semi-synthetic uh, morphine compounds. So they're almost a twin drugs, but there is a difference between the two. There are people who can take Vicodin that cannot take Percocets, and there are people who prefer Percocets over Vicodin, and I'm speaking in both the medicinal and uh, recreational sense because, of course, Vicodins and Percocets are popular in the recreational uh, recreational circles. But the whole, but the whole idea of, of taking a Vicodin for back pain or joint pain versus taking it for pleasure. The fact is that in both situations, the pill does as as uh, advertised, and it makes you feel better. Feeling better, feeling good. You know, you say tomato, I say tomato. But uh, they're on the uh, the Vicodin and the Percocet bandwagon. So that would be. Uh, uh, a tremendous travesty if if those drugs were withdrawn from the marketplace just because they contain acetaminophen. Now, I wouldn't mind... Now, let me give a little bit of caveat here. I would not mind uh, the withdrawal from the marketplace of Vicodins and Percocets because they do have acetaminophen, and I, again, am no fan of acetaminophen, and you want to take the least amount of acetaminophen as possible. So I would be all for them... Uh, removing Vicodins and Percocets if there was a <laughs> ironclad guarantee that uh, opiate uh, relief would not uh, go away from the uh, from the uh, pharmacies and uh, treatment regimens for doctors with you know treating patients with uh, with pain. Now, again, if they did, uh, the ironclad guarantee that I would like is that they would 
replace them with, you know, two milligram morphine tablets. Now you're not going to get that much more of an addictive uh, scenario with two milligrams of morphine as you would get with a 10 milligram uh, Vicodin. Because like I said, you know, uh, morphine, they're both morphine. Uh, again, the, uh, the differences are, are not all that great with the exception that a two milligram morphine tablet contains no acetaminophen. So they can take all the Vicodins and, and Percocets they want off the market as long as they allow us to get the same opiate, same drug without acetaminophen, and that is what is represented by the lower milligram doses of, of morphine. Um, I personally can't tell that much difference uh, between the two. There is a, a slight difference, but I find that uh, a two milligram morphine tablet is pretty much the same, uh, the same effect as a 7.5 milligram Vicodin. So again, um, it will be interesting to, to watch how this goes. And I am not opposed to, to uh, an educational uh, program. I mean, everybody thinks acetaminophen is safe, and for the overwhelming majority of people who take it, it is, except for those who, you know, uh, have an allergic reaction or uh, have some, uh, some problem and, then, uh, and it kills them. I mean, acetaminophen is a fairly safe drug. And again, these drugs were designed to do the same thing as aspirin, which was, really, you know, relieve minor aches and pains. But uh, aspirin was, was uh, found to be corrosive to, uh, to the stomach. So acetaminophen and ibuprofen were both uh, analgesics designed to uh, eliminate that uh, gastro problem that that uh, pure aspirin caused but um, that's uh, that's that's the uh, the situation going on in uh, in drug land out there uh, we continue to play the the silly game uh, Obama does uh, in in Washington and uh, every day uh, as this folly continues. We have um, thousands of young individuals being arrested for the simple possession of marijuana and thrown into the criminal justice system, which is supposedly under review in the uh, criminal justice, the National Criminal Justice Act of 2009, sponsored by Senator Jim Webb out of Virginia. So we have uh, we have the. Status quo moving on in, in the drug policy arena. But I, I, I blogged this evening, and I don't know if anybody had the opportunity to read it. hope you did, but if you don't, if you did not, uh, this is what I, what I blogged about. I th I, my, the, the title of my blog is, I think, you know, let's all be gay for a day. That's the title. Let's all be gay for a day. And what, by that, I mean that every, everybody involved in drug policy reform, and especially our leaders in drug policy reform, all of us show we should be gay for a day. And the reason I say that is because I was very impressed in the manner in which the, for lack of a more politically correct term, the gay lobby 
has uh, been able to organize and lobby on their behalf to to the federal government. Um, President Obama made, or candidate Obama made, numerous campaign promises, and in the arena of uh, sexual equality, drug policy reform, he, he threw out a lot of tidbits to all of those who feel strongly about those issues. But Obama has been slow on the, uh, the uptick to do anything about uh, don't ask, don't tell, which is the armed forces policy of if you're gay, shut up, and if you open your mouth or someone outs you, then you are dismissed from, uh, from military service. Well, of course, I think that's, uh, that's a bullshit policy. I tend to believe most of our uh, military personnel under the age of 35, maybe a little bit higher, not much lower, but under a particular age, uh, find uh, no real problem serving alongside uh, gay, gay soldiers. I know it didn't bother me when I was in the military uh, back in 75 and 76 when I spent a lovely tour of duty over in what was then uh, West Germany. But, um, but I di digress here a bit. The, uh, the don't ask, don't tell policy is uh, a focus point, as it should be, for the, uh, for the sexual equality advocates out there. And transgender and lesbian, gay, lesbian, transgender uh, groups out there. Uh, should be able to uh, to serve in the military. Sexual orientation doesn't mean anything until you're having sex. It doesn't impact how you do things or how you think. It just impacts how you get your yayas out in uh, in a sexual uh, in a sexual context. But um, so where I'm where I'm rambling here, where I'm kind of running around the the, the porch. It's why we should all be gay for days. That we, you know, these these groups, these folks, uh, know how to organize and they know how to lobby. Uh, they forced the hand of President Obama to bring them to the White House to show solidarity and renew his campaign pledge to get rid of "Don't Ask, Don't Tell" and. Uh, change the course of, uh, or change the tone of the debate, at least from a uh, federal level. So, uh, as I mentioned in the blog, many of those in attendance went home with glasses half full. But uh, what what was impressive was that this uh, this meeting with, uh, between President Obama and the leaders of the gay community. Was that it? Main it managed to stay throughout. Uh, stick is managed to stay in the news throughout several, several news, several news cycles, several days. And I thought that was uh, very impressive, especially as it paralleled, uh, paralleled all the saga, uh, paralleled the saga of Michael Jackson's passing. So they uh, they know how to lobby, they know how to organize, and they know how to 
get the ear of the administration, something that the drug policy reform groups have yet to achieve. I do not believe we have had a bunch of drug policy reformers sitting in a, in, in, in a meeting and, uh, with, uh, with President Obama. So that's why I think we should all be uh, we should all be gay for a day. Kind of learn the ropes and see just what what type of creativity, what type of determination, and what type of of will works to uh, end up with a meeting in the White House with Barack Obama. We have yet to do that. My particular belief is that we are focused. Uh, too strongly, almost unequivocally, not unequivocally, but we are focused solely on medical marijuana as as our issue. And I just don't think that's the proper issue to move the drug policy debate, debate forward. Uh, those advocating for sexual equality uh, aren't doing it in an incremental phase. Um, like, well, I mean, you can have gay sex Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, but not Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, and most definitely not on Sunday. So they're not, they're not taking half measures. They want uh, sexual equality. So we should not be taking half or quarter measures either in the drug policy arena. We should be demanding that the uh, commonsensical view shared by unfortunately not many of our drug policy leaders, at least in their public statements, is that we should demand an end to the insanity, the stupidity, and now the tragic silliness of a drug war that has been fought for going on close to 100 years with the last 40 or so being especially intense. So I think we could learn a lot from, uh, from the gay and lesbian lobby. We should probably get together. I'm sure some of them smoke pot. There's no question. So at least have... Uh, you know, a common interest or a common pleasure. Well, if the pleasure is common, but it could, could very well be. Uh, and hopefully and probably it is. But uh, we should all, like I said, we should all be gay for a day, figure this thing out, and just maybe, just maybe if we do it right, we'll latch on to one of Barack Obama's big ears and have our day inside the White House. Well, you're inside the opium den right now, so give us a call at 727-493-2205. Tell me what you think about um, what I think, and uh, tell me what you think regardless of what I think. 727-493-2205, that will get you inside the opium den. Also, you can uh, call me on my Skype ID, my handle, as they used to say in the CB business. I'm dating myself again. Of course, there was a long time when nobody else would date me, so <laughs> I dated myself. But anyway, uh, my Skype handle is the New Libertarian, and you can also send us an email at uh, right here into the studio. Address it to Daniel at theopiumden.net. So we have a, uh, um, like I said, a kind of a slow drug news week: the Vicodin and the Percocet uh, brouhaha. We'll be watching that and uh, reporting as as needed. But we have kind of a popular feature here. We've gotten some uh, some email and some comments on this that uh, they like our little segment that we call Cops on Drugs. 
So we have uh, we have uh, three um, inductees into the uh, Hall of Cop Shame this evening. One is not uh, one is from a repeat location from uh, from I believe last week's uh, program uh, Yuma Yuma Arizona, and uh, again here in Yuma. We have a U.S. Customs and Border Protection officer uh, pleaded guilty to conspiracy to commit bribery (laughs) and conspiracy to import ecstasy. Um, How he was, uh, how officer, um, what the hell is this guy's name? I thought I wrote it down in here, but apparently I didn't. Well, excuse me. He'll remain anonymous. Trying to protect the guilty here, but anyway, this uh, U.S. Customs officer uh, took a thirty-three thousand dollar bribe. Thirty-three thousand dollar bribe, probably more than he makes, or very close to it after after taxes, at least. I don't think there was any tax on this thirty-three thousand dollar bribe. But what he did uh, to earn his money, he allowed vehicles loaded with uh, ecstasy tablets uh, entry into the United States from Mexico without. Uh, without being searched. Now, uh, how how are uh, anonymous? How the hell the fuck did I miss that? But anyway, how our anonymous uh, customs fellow went down? Uh, there was a federal investigation, and there was word let out that there was a vehicle coming across the border from Mexico into the United States that was loaded with five hundred thousand hits of ecstasy, half a million tabs of possible fun or potential danger since they're all uh, adulterated with various crappy fillers. But anyway, the idea was 500,000 hits of ecstasy were coming across in this vehicle and our anonymous officer uh, waved them right on through. Now, uh, our our, uh, ecstasy boy is facing up to 20 years, 20 years in the federal prison. But get this, this is this is the part that, I mean, it's just as surreal and silly as the rest of it. There, his fine could be as much as $1.25 million. $1.25 million in 20 years in the federal prison. I think it's fairly safe to say our U.S. Customs Border Protection Officer, like that Border Protection Officer, this guy was protecting our border and he was on the take. So our Customs and Border Protection Officer from Yuma, Arizona, hats off to you and uh, take a few glow sticks with you when you go to prison. It might, it might, it might <laughs> help you out when you drop the soap in the shower. And you know that whenever a police officer or a former police officer uh, goes into a federal prison or or becomes a federal prisoner, uh, unless he is isolated from the general population, his life is uh, just as miserable. The other inmates make his life just as miserable as the lives they make miserable of the uh, sexual uh, criminals, criminals of sexual problems in the, in jail. So there we go. So now um, we're going to go uh, we're going to go back up to Philly. I think Philly is a, is a repeat customer here. 
And uh, I did have the presence of mind to copy this officer's name down when I was making my notes earlier today. But up in Philadelphia, police detective, not enough, this is a, you know, a detective, police detective Richie Durham. Richie was arraigned on charges of obstruction of justice, uh, making false statements, and giving advance notice of a police search to one of his drug-dealing buddies. Now, this just wasn't any ordinary drug dealer up in Philadelphia. Um, Detective Ricky Durham snitched on the cops to uh, what is described as a Philadelphia drug kingpin by the name of Alton, and his nickname Ace Capone, Alton Ace Capone Coles. And uh, he tipped off uh, Ace about an upcoming uh, police raid, allowing Ace to get off with the gold. And then, of course, uh, when confronted, uh, Detective Ricky Durham lied, <laughs> obviously lied, and said he didn't know anything about it, and, you know, what are you even talking to me about this for? But uh, Ricky uh, was not the smartest detective up in Philadelphia. And as a result of this investigation, former Detective Rick, Ricky Durham was suspended and uh, as of a few days ago, he was about to be fired. He could possibly have been fired by now. Uh, but he, uh, uh, the interesting part, he is only under house arrest uh, pending his trial. He is not in, in jail. Uh, maybe if he did go to, he was afraid to go to jail because old Ace Capone, his drug kingpin buddy, Ace Capone Coles, may have, ha may have a few loyal lieutenants stashed away in the pokey, just waiting for uh, Detective Ricky Durham to, uh, to show his face. So uh, right now he's under, uh, under house arrest pending the trial, but I would, uh, I, would, I, would, I would appreciate it if old Ricky was in jail. I mean, if I got busted doing that kind of stuff, they wouldn't let me sit around the house until it was time to, to go to trial. So uh, justice is not blind, ladies and gentlemen, no matter how many of those little statues we see carrying the scales of justice. We have uh, various levels of laws for various levels of individuals. So hats off to uh, Philadelphia Police Detective Ricky Durham. May you enjoy your time with your friends in uh, whatever prison that you end up in. And speaking of ending up, we are going to finish our uh, Cops on Drugs segment this evening. Uh, kind of an oldie goldie here uh, in the vernacular of rock and roll. Um, many of you may remember uh, back in 2006 when a 92-year-old woman by the name of Katherine Johnston, 92 years old, was killed in a botched Atlanta drug raid. Um, 92 years old, botched drug raid, shot dead by the police in 2006. Now, the individual who was in charge of that unit, that narcotics unit, that was uh, involved in killing 
92-year-old Catherine Johnston. The, uh, the police officer who was in charge of that narcotics unit, uh, one by the name this uh, gentleman is <laughs> Wilbert Stallings. Officer Wilbert Stallings. Wilbert. Wilbert, if that was the old Mr. Ed. Maybe you don't remember that, or maybe you've seen it on Nickelodeon or some of the uh, old uh, old shows that are on cable all over the place. But Wilbert. Wilbert Stallings was the... Uh, he led the narcotics unit that was responsible for the killing of 92-year-old Catherine Johnston in a botched drug raid. Uh, apparently, Wilbert, on a uh, different and unrelated uh, charge, although there's a, uh, a line that can be drawn all across the board on this one, Wilbert, uh, he has pleaded guilty not to uh, killing a 92-year-old woman by the name of uh, Catherine Johnson, but Wilbert, Wilbert Stallings, has pleaded guilty to violating the civil rights of a homeowner during an illegal drug raid. Well, there you have it. There is such a thing as karma because it appears that our old buddy Wilbert Stallings is uh, getting a taste of of karma uh, as we speak. And once they throw old Wilbert's ass in jail, he'll probably be exposed to a variety of new tastes in his prison life. So uh, there we have it, our Cops on Drugs segment. I hope you enjoyed hearing about the, the corrupt law enforcement personnel out there uh, that has been uh, spawned by our, our war on drugs, which if you listen to the propaganda and the bullshit, we are winning because it is getting more intense and more people are dying across the border. So, Cops on Drugs, Philadelphia, Yuma, Arizona, and Atlanta, Georgia, you are in the spotlight tonight. So, if anybody want to give us a call here, I I know it's uh, getting towards the end of our hour, but give us a call at 727-493-2205 and put you inside the Opium Den, or you can send us an email at Daniel at theopiumden.net or if you're a Skyper my Skype ID is the new libertarian so that's about all we have uh, for this evening kind of an abbreviated show a little you know 10 or 15 minutes shorter than normal but it is it is the 4th of July weekend coming up and everybody is I hope has plans to spend it with a loved one or family member or both and that the weather is good and the fireworks are grand and no one ends up blowing their hands or heads off. We're going to uh, look for our fireworks down here on the beach this weekend. Uh, we we hope to, that we don't get rained out. And again, I'd like everyone to join me this evening in wishing my older brother Tom a safe and quick journey back to his home.
town of Fairborn, Ohio, back to his lifelong friends and the life that he is most comfortable living. And as we close it out tonight, uh, as we do every Thursday evening, uh, we close out with the reminder that when good people obey, obey bad law, bad law never changes. Have a good weekend.